I'd like to know when you're in that moment failing and you have to keep going, what do you say to yourself? What if? A lot of times I'll be in a 200 mile run or something like that and I'm all jacked up. Body's broken, mind's broken, spirit's broken. I start to say, what if I can pull this off? When I first walked into the Navy SEAL recruiter's office, he looked at me and said, there's only been 35 African-Americans in 70 years make it through. You know what I said to myself? What if I can be the 36th? It's the what if I can pull off a miracle. It's a little steep. It's a little, it is a little steep, especially to, to run two tournaments of significant stature back to back. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. I've never been to Vegas. Uh, so I can't comment on like, I only know bits and pieces of that, but I can't I think imagine. I went, I went three times when I was in college mm-hmm. because um, the old arch or old collegiate archery uh, organization, USCA would actually pay for us if we made the top eight finals, mm-hmm. would pay for our entry fee to go. So, I mean, it helped out 200 bucks, right? right. 175 and obviously right. you made the collegiate finals it's like that's more of an incentive to go you're shooting two tournaments for the price of one and right so sure so you shot when you shot vegas before that was shooting olympic recurve i've never shot it Fairbow. gotcha okay cool man well i mean it's a good good start to this discussion we get some people logging in um Welcome back to the Barewell Project. We got a live recording. With us, we have the first loser, Mr. John Demmer, self-proclaimed, says it in his name tag. And uh, and that's that's his by his own doing, not mine. <laughs> um, and the number one qualifier, Mr. Robbie Weisinger. Um, this is a probably a, a this is a long-awaited podcast. We've tried multiple times prior to this, but his performance this week and definitely warranted a quick turnaround on getting one done. I have, I'm going to tell you all right now, I have like four or five podcasts in the queue. So keep watching for them. Um, but anyway, where's, where's Robbie in his uh, pro point shooter staff shirt? You, you like that? That's an old school one. <laughs> I like that shirt, actually. I like that shirt. It's, it's, it's pretty slick. It is I'll slick. give you that. That was a good I one. Have, I have an old one a friend gave to me a, a couple of years ago because he doesn't shoot for Hoyt anymore um, or doesn't shoot a Hoyt. Uh, and that was pretty slick, too. That was more old school, like the one Robbie's got on. Yeah, I do like the old school stuff for sure. Vintage. 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 The youngest friggin' one of the youngest barebow shooters we got wearing a vintage Hoyt <laughs> shirt. Anyways, Robbie, welcome finally to the podcast uh, on a solo. I don't think you were you ever on it in a group. I think you were. I kind of feel like you are. I think so. I think one of these times I was in a group for yeah, group like a group podcast, but this time you got the spotlight all yourself. Um, so I guess we're gonna we we have some questions that we want to go through. We have one of our Patreon subscribers, Ken, is is joined us on the Zoom. He's kind of in the background, just chilling at the moment. But Robbie, so congratulations on your qualifier. I know eliminations actually went pretty well like you still shot really well you had a hell of a field to get through but before we get into all of that 
let's talk about like where did you start archery and how did like we want to kind of just unveil the journey from the beginning through college through switching to barebow so let's 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 get into that so when i was really young my my brother and i had little bare 20 pound bows you know piles of junk two right-handed bows i'm left-handed so that was always fun to shoot he always thought he was a better shot from the very beginning because i couldn't shoot a right-handed bow very well um we got hunting bows when we were in elementary school and we would shoot that around a little bit we never actually hunted with it um my family's background is more into you know rifle or muzzleloader hunting so we really had no no knowledge of of bow hunting in any way um when i was in middle school we started shooting nasp our school got a nasp program so shooting the little genesis bows shooting bare bow at 10 and 15 meters and that was my my first tournament experience and uh <clears throat> I shot NASP all through high school. I got to go to nationals in Kentucky my senior year. That was the first time our, our school had been there. Um, it was a total blast. Um, the program kind of followed me up. So I was kind of the oldest one of the program, which when you're in, when you're growing an organization, like in the school, nobody really knows what's possible. So you just keep kind of slowly crawling and crawling up because I remember in middle school and like when I was a freshman if somebody shot a 270 that was like whoa how did you do that like nobody's done that before here and then it starts crawling up 75 80 85 90 95 so that's kind of how my career started it was just shooting NASP and helping grow that program and I'd shoot pretty well in it I never really won anything but um, that's kind of where my bareboat career started. When I was a junior in college, there was a coach in Eastern Iowa that met me at the state tournament that year, the NASP state tournament. He's like, you should, you should try recurve Olympic recurve. I was like, okay. I mean, that sounds awesome. Cause I had watched the Olympics. I watched Brady watched another long blonde hair kid like me shooting a bow representing the country. I'm like, that would be so cool. I got into that. Um, didn't shoot particularly well to start. I don't think anybody really does. But uh, after I graduated high school, I took it to college. I was a collegiate shooter at the University of South Dakota, just 20 minutes away from the Yankton facility. So every day I missed two days of training in the whole my whole freshman year. One was because I couldn't get my Pontiac through the snow to get those 23 miles and the other one I was majorly sick so I take I took a lot of pride in how hard I was working to try to get better at it um I think my freshman year I won I got bronze at the outdoor national competition I made the indoor finals that went to Vegas that we were talking about earlier um and I was pretty well hooked that was the the first I really saw, you know, USA archery or world archery style competition, shooting 70 meters, head to head matches, qualification rounds, stuff like that. I'd only been used to either a NASP 30 arrow round, an indoor round, or uh, an NFAA 40, 50, 60. Um, went through college, 
won a couple national championships for college, a couple oh, all Americans. Nice. It was fun. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, it was my first time having like a team to really travel with everywhere. Yeah. My USD team in Mount Marty, the other college in Yankton, we kind of like sister teams. So we would kind of go everywhere together and mm-hmm. it's like having one big team to go, go around with. So that was, that was cool to be able to do that. Um, fast forward to when I was a senior in college. Um, I shot Olympic trials that fall when I was student teaching 2019. And then obviously we all know what happened. COVID started to roll around and everything stopped. My last tournament was Vegas. I'm pretty sure my, my brother, um, who stayed with me, like, crashed in the same bed in the hotel room to save cost pretty sure he got COVID on the plane Mm. so because he felt like garbage to the point where he didn't even shoot the third day um but anyways all that happened everything got shut down and I was like well there's no tournaments what's the point of working really really hard right now I didn't do well at Olympic trials because you know it's hard to be top 16 in Olympic trials. Yeah. And I kind of put the bow away, focused on myself. I got in really good shape. Didn't shoot really any tournaments. Fall came around. I got back into hunting. I hunted my butt off. And then this coming, that coming winter of 2021, the Rushmore rumble came around because they weren't going to have Vegas. They were replacing that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Man, I missed that. I'm going to give it a shot. I picked up my Olympic bow for about five minutes before I was like, this sucks. I don't like this at all. You know, and I was like, I've always wanted to try bear bow. One of my, you know, I've known John for quite a while. He watched me shoot Olympic. Um, I watched Spanky, Spanky shoot bear bow, watched John shoot bear bow. I'm like, let's try that. Let's take the sights off. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I was pretty decent from the start. You know, I right off the bat, indoor, I was a 250 shooter, which isn't like phenomenal, but it's nothing to shake your head at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I fell in love with it. Like it was that pursuit of trying to get better and better, the ability to accept flaws that you will not be perfect and you don't have to be perfect to win i it was just i fell in love with it mm-hmm. so i started shooting i started shooting barebow and i think uh i think this is where we should transition to some of the difficulties of transitioning to barebow yeah that's fine I, I, let's do that i mean so what say what school did you go to and where was it located i know it's i know where it's at but so i went to the university of south dakota okay and that's in vermilion south dakota Okay. Anybody who's gone to Yankton has probably found out that there's very few hotels in Yankton and probably had to stay in Vermilion. Gotcha. And did you go there like on a scholarship or was it just to go shoot archery? Some of these schools don't do scholarships. That's why I was wondering. It was just a club. Yeah, just um, a club team. All right, it gotcha. Me, it was me and a few other kids. Okay. Really and just a few bow. Just for for comparison's sake it's not you know 
because it's interesting always to see what some Olympic recurve shooters can do and then what their ability is coming right to to barebow. What was some of your, if you remember, some of your personal records as far as like an indoor feed around? Um, what where where would you say you were at your best? At my best in practice, I would shoot like low to mid nineties. We all know practice doesn't count. Just saying. Right, right. So, I think the highest I've shot in a tournament was a low two eighty. Okay, all right. So it's like, it wasn't okay. it was nothing phenomenal. Yeah, but all right. I, what John would does with a bow, where he tinkers constantly. I was constantly tinkering with form, trying to get it better and better, instead of just shutting up and shooting and yeah, getting. I've learned to do that over the years, but yeah, okay, no, that's no, that's it's a good. I, th- I think that's, that's about right. I think that's a, that's about your, what I have found is sort of your carry like an Olympic shooter. That's like a 280 and above indoor shooter can easily hit high 240s to like mid 250, maybe even 260 with minimal experience. So I think, I think at the Olympic trials for a 70 meter round, which was, it was my personal best at a tournament. I think I shot a six twelve. Okay. Okay. So, not I don't really know what the carryover is there from to fifty meters bare bow. It's a little bit of an oddball, you know, comparison. But, um, okay, no, that's good. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's let's get. I mean, and you're you're sitting here with two other people who also shot Olympic. You know, John was a was a a a, a very good Olympic shooter, um, as well, but only shot for a short time. John, you only shot for a couple of years, right? It wasn't. I shot for like six months. It wasn't even it wasn't <laughs> even years. Six months. I hit, okay. I hit. I could get. I got in the. <clears throat> what did I shoot? Like six thirty, I think, was my first uh, nice star feeder. Okay. With the Olympic barebow, and that was like a month and a half in. Do you remember so, your indoor? What what an or did I you never shoot sh- an indoor? Never shot. Never shot indoor. Okay. Um, I shot one way 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 back when when i messed around it for a week because a local gentleman pissed me off <laughs> i was okay. i was shooting i was shooting trad off this shelf for like i think i was up into the 490s when i started doing that and i shot the olympic bow for a week and shot 555 or something <laughs> at a shoot <laughs> 555 of the olympic yeah so uh yeah, you know, that was that was with a little bit of motivation. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so all right, so let's get into and John, you can obviously add to this. What's some of the some of the difficulties transitioning to Barebo from from Olympic? I don't know. I think you were you were heavy NTS, right? When you were shooting Olympic or no? Yeah, I, I tried to be, but I okay. was you know, I worked with and talked with a bunch of really high-end shooters. Mm-hmm. They just pushed me to, instead of following like cookie cutter movements to really find the, find the movements and motions that work for me best. Sure. Um, so I really feel like my form looked pretty solid and it had a really good flow to it when I started. I didn't really think like that was a huge, huge issue. Um, not, not right off the bat. When I got further into it, um, I learned how I really needed to get into better alignment mm-hmm. to start off. It was more of how I shot an ASP, which was, you know, pick up and pull back instead of really 
getting stuff where it needed to be. Yeah. So the shoulders weren't quite in alignment. It was kind of more like just pulling back a compound. Gotcha. So it wasn't phenomenal, but it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. But well, with that transition to barebow though, where did you feel like you had to make changes or went and, so and yeah. In, in form or. I think everything. Okay. Let's so, talk about it all. Okay. Um, right off the bat, because NASP gave me this, this horrible, horrible disease that we all talk about called target panic. Every time I shot a Genesis bow, I would start above my aim point, which was like bottom of the target, black, white, like where the black meets mm -hmm. the white because of my draw length and the poundage. And I would drop onto it mm. every time, which in, in practice would shoot great. In a tournament, it would suck unless if I really got on a roll. Were you so taught that or did you um, learn on your own? That was, that was a self-medicating issue. Okay. Um, you know, in a NAS program, not a lot of people had no really high-end archery form. At Hold least on a second. Hold on a second. John, you're shaking your head. What? Why? Uh, yeah, I think that was a, a unique um, situation for Robbie, and it, it probably is for a lot of shooters. I do find that that seems to be more in the past overall because we have some NASP uh, teachers up our way. Um, and the very first moment I saw them teach, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a couple dudes right there that actually learned, that actually took the time to learn the bow that they're teaching the kids. And what they were teaching the kids was awesome. Like not one archer I saw shoot there was mm -hmm. doing what Robbie was doing. Uh, they were all like, they put it on there, wait, 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 shoot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like. You know, they're, they're definitely on, on a different path than Robbie was. And, and probably a lot of that was, is probably due to just time, like time it took like the NASP teachers to learn, to adjust, and maybe just, you know, simply falling into the right teachers. Um, it's unfortunate Robbie didn't run into that growing up. Um, but it's, it's a lesson that, you know, people could take away, you know, from this conversation is, if you do see some NASP teachers teaching young kids the wrong way, um, you know, do, do try to, you know, talk to them privately and, and give them some suggestions to keep those kids from going down the wrong path for too long. Right. And like I said, I was the oldest one of, of the program. I was the one that was kind of leading the way. So it was all uncharted waters. And our, our coach was, he was a good shot as a, as a bow hunter. Right. But, we all know that somebody who shoots a compound bow doesn't necessarily translate skill levels and correct form over to somebody who shoots bare bow or an Olympic or any kind of single string bow. <clears throat> Funny side note, to try to fix that problem, my brother and I would stick a broadhead under my hand and that's why I have a scar here. <laughs> we thought that would fix the problem. That wasn't how we fixed it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so, oh. on, that that was an issue that i knew i had to fix right and i had i had a couple different ways i tried i tried really hard to get it through my head to just sit there and aim but eventually i had to be like i i need to change so i went i did research i 
I signed up for shot IQ. I learned how to do it this with my finger tab. Right. And that's, that's where I learned to separate everything. That was a huge thing for me right off the bat learning. Can I I ask you, can I ask you a question? Not to cut you totally off, but while we're on the same track, why, when transitioning from Olympic to, to Barbo, why did you have a hard time aiming? because the clickers what told me to shoot i didn't necessarily know like the correct correct way to shoot an olympic bow either right the clicker is not telling you when to shoot it's telling you when you're in the right spot it tells you when you're in the right draw length right it does, I, i've heard people say before in the past that it teaches you form but it a- absolutely teaches you nothing about form right. it just teaches you what the the same draw length is and that's that's basically right. it it teaches you when to like start your shot right not to finish it so uh, in in my head like i needed something to to help me separate that because it no matter how hard i tried it was i would get it to the middle boom just drive-bys all day sometimes i shot really well sometimes i didn't i think my first indoor nationals usa indoor nationals i ranked like 10th or something with a 515 and i was like I was pissed off because I, my last throw, I shot a six. I, sh- I put several in the blue and I, I just knew that I could be better than that. And I had to figure something out. So to learn how to, to separate that, I used the tabs here and I used that for, for quite a while and was fairly successful. It was like a clicker. I went and shot an ASA, I think maybe two ASAs doing that. And I think I podiumed at both. The only one that only person that beat me at the first one was Columns. And I don't think he beat me by a lot. I beat Dwayne, which I was like, huh, first tournament. I beat a legend. That's kind of cool. So I knew that I could be good at this. And I, I relied really heavily on this to work. Now, one of the difficulties that I learned about this and learned the the downfall of a trigger was when I was shooting field nationals with you. I was on a target with you and Winker and somebody else. I don't remember. I don't remember who, but I remember you and Winker because we were all battling it out right from the start. I was I was ahead of both of you for four targets, five targets, something like that. And then two things happened that made the, the scores downfall my form was I was not in a perfect line like we had talked about. I shot it just like a Genesis bow, picked up, pushed to the target, pull back. The shoulder was not locked in where it needed to be. So as I went through the day, I kept hitting lower and lower and lower because I was getting tired and I didn't know that. I usually don't get tired shooting a bow, but without being in the right spot, those 50, 60 yard shots just kept dropping low i don't know if you remember that or not but um it kept hitting low i was like okay that's not good so i kept adjusting and shooting and i would have the occasional shot where i would try to punch through it because i didn't trust that it was going to go where it was supposed to go as we went further into the tournament after we ended field and then went to the dakota classic it it blew up it was a train wreck it was just punching the whole way through punching every single shot 
and I had no control over it. So I then realized, you know, there's, I, I have to change something again. Like, I'm not going to suck at this. I'm not going to continue to suck. I need to figure something out so I can win. I went to a Rod Jenkins clinic later that month. And we worked on some stuff and most of the people there were bow hunters. So it wasn't quite a apples to apples, but he was, <clears throat> he helped me out with some stuff, getting, getting into better alignment, a little bit better alignment. And he helped me really try to use my back as a trigger, which is what we teach here is to use your back, squeeze your back. What John has said to me, because I've asked him this several times over text and I get about the same answer every time, expecting something different, some magical key. He's like, you just get right to, right at the point as if you're at the edge of your clicker on Olympic recurve and you just work your back. You stare at the mill and you work your back. And that's, that's what I did. And it, it worked. I shot fairly well at outdoor target nationals the, the next month. Um, big old frank he beat me in a shoot off and he still won't let that go you're the one that brings it up buddy not me i don't bring it up you bring it up we weren't going to say anything because we never want to talk good about frank <laughs> you're gonna have a choice yeah, yeah I, you shot well no you did i i did all right but there was there was still some issues to where you were exploding out of your shot quite a bit yeah yeah, I was for sure because I was using a great big back movement and driving the bow arm forward. Um, There's a picture isn't, that proves which isn't it. bad mechanics. It just made me flinchy as I'll get yeah. out. Right. So, you know, I would start off on the practice range. I don't think there was anybody out shooting me the day before in practice. Even like shooting next to John, like I was just diamond tens left and right because it was flowing. It was easy. I was in my back work in my back and it shoot and then we got to the shoot itself and it would be okay for a little bit and then i think i shot through a few in the blue from collapsing not making good shots and that also frustrated me so had to keep working and i you beat me in a shoot off i mean you shot a solid nine so i'd have to make a good shot anyways but i flinched in that shot too and i was i was just so upset at myself um <clears throat> had to keep going back to work on that stuff like two weeks later i went to darrington to go shoot field nationals and i needed that to make use at i told myself when i started shooting after i shot indoor nationals this was like two months into shooting bear but i told myself i was going to make use at so i knew i had to do indoor outdoor and field like all right i don't know about field but we're gonna learn it so i went there i was fortunate enough to win that in Darrington. That's a beautiful place to shoot, by the way. Darrington is absolutely incredible. Yeah, you just put everybody on notice. Go to Darrington next time That's around. It's, it is the most beautiful field course you will ever shoot. Book it early because uh, car rentals are expensive if you book it late. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Ex extremely expensive if you book it late. Mm -hmm. Because one time, John Wirt said he was going to get the car, and he didn't. So we got the car there and it ended up being like $900 for a week. Ooh. I was a. I, <laughs> I remember that John Wirt. Thank you. <laughs> He's not watching. <laughs> uh, maybe he is. I don't know. But. I was a 22 year old when I went and rented a car by myself. So it was also expensive. 
Yeah, great fishing, beautiful views. What else could you ask for? And yeah. you had to shoot. Um, anyways, did well there. Um, and just, I knew I had to, I didn't shoot like super, super well, but I shot well enough to win. And uh, going into the next indoor season, I knew I needed to make some changes. So I reached out to Frank and I was like, all right, fix me. Like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. So we changed my form. A little me- bit. A little bit. We didn't change. We didn't have to change a ton. Like, let me tell you something, man. You are driven. Let me just say, you are extremely driven. And with your inner drive, like you could make anything work if you really wanted to. I think it's not a matter of changing your form. It was just simplified a little bit. That's all. You have a great release. You have a great bow arm when it's not flying all over the place. We need to get rid of that, you know? So don't give, don't like, don't be like, well, we need to fix it. You were already doing pretty good. You were way ahead of most people. So anyway, sorry. Just go ahead. Um. I made some changes. I uh, got made sure I was into good alignment, made sure I was making a nice, simple, straight draw, a nice, brisk, short follow through, a balanced follow through. And uh, I started shooting super, super well. Um, I think after that, I went to the classic and rocked it. Shot pretty well at the classic, not like phenomenal again, but. Um, I just kept like most of these tournaments before I was getting robbed with target panic. I was close to a good performance, but there'd always be like two or three arrows or one end or two ends that would really just, um, kind of put it in the trash can in my mind. Even if it was a good performance overall, I, those mistakes linger in my head and I know I need to fix those. Um, so shot well at the classic for qualification pretty well. Anyway, went into matches, shot against Dwayne. And then one of those Demer yips left me in ninth place and off the stage. So again, I knew I needed to change that. Uh, you needed like a seven or an eight to win that match. It was the last arrow of the last end. I mean, I, I still could have learned halfway, halfway through, he only had me by five. So it's not like it was an uncatchable match, but yeah. Yeah. Not all follow and miss with an 11, right, John? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of change, that's something like Robbie, you got to be willing to. So we're going to be working on changing something as well. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about but okay yeah i know <laughs> nobody knows My... i'm switching to, i'm switching to compound but anyway oh, all right this suits you better i'd like to see that happen you heard it here first everyone john Demmer switching to compound um all right yeah i mean that you you shot very well at that. That was the 2022 uh, Lancaster Classic. And then rolled into uh, Indoor Nationals and then continued throughout the year and had a pretty successful year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
we worked on some visualization stuff. Um, I wrote in a journal every single day. I wrote in a journal by my bed. I wrote in a journal saying, I will make the, the United States field team and I will make the United States 3D team. I wrote that I will win the trials. I will win outdoor field nationals. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know. I wrote that down next to my bed every single night. And then when I walked, walked up to the tournament, it was, there was just no question in my mind, even if I was shooting poorly, which I was before that tournament, for whatever reason, I couldn't hit the target, hardly anything. And I was like, whatever, we're going to roll with it and shot, shot well enough to win, to win that championship too. Awesome. It's good stuff. Have you, uh, have you carried over some of that stuff through like, as you've moved forward, did you carry over any of that stuff into this classic or are you just sort of a little more confident in where you're at and so I did, your preparation? I didn't like write in my journal. Um, I just focused really hard on the execution of my shot because I, I tell you what, I know, I know I've been very successful or pretty successful with what I've done in the last year, but I feel like my, my mind would continue to rob me right? Mm. Like I missed, I went to Italy. I made the team. That's awesome. I missed the cut by one point. I missed five targets because I yipped. I had no control. And that's that, that angers me and that drives me to do better. Mm. Do you think your, your preparation for Italy played a role in that? Um, preparation for Italy was, I mean, I had two weeks after that. I had two weeks after Italy for field to get ready for field. So to oh, be okay. honest, most of my preparation was on field. I like 3D, don't get me wrong, but field is definitely my favorite game. Um, I really wanted to do well at field. For 3D, I just did what John told me to do, and I would walk around with a rangefinder, and I would – guess all right that's 33 yards that's 35 yards that's 32 yards that's 22 yards <clears throat> so that's kind of how I got ready for stuff and that helped quite a bit um that's really the only thing I know you know where the rings are if they were all Reinhardt's we would have known where the rings are but we won't get into that at the Reinhardt world championship <laughs> um but you have a binoculars you you can look for the ring. It's not a huge deal. Right. <clears throat> Interesting. Just, judging was just the biggest part of it. And after you get rolling, you build on. You don't get worse at judging throughout the day. You only get better. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about this year's classic then. Um, you know, you, this was a year for you to do some amazing things and you did that you're still relatively young and with a pretty good amount of experience you have nowhere to go but up at this point you qualified with a 560 550 usa archery feet around um you know how did you feel going into that round where was your brain what were the things that you were doing that maybe helped you stay that consistent throughout there? Cause you shot really, really strong. Mm -hmm. So 
in the weeks leading up to it, I was shooting very, very well. I went to Arizona to go hunt. I did. I hadn't touched my bow since world championships. And I got home like a week before the Iowa pro-am. And I was like, well, I guess I should shoot this thing. <laughs> and uh, I worked on some mental changes and it took a while for it to click. I was shooting in like the two sixties, low two sixties, not great. And one day it just, it all clicked and the point just sat right where it needed to. And I executed phenomenally. I did exactly what I was supposed to, and it felt phenomenal. Um, and I just kept that rolling. I just kept building on it. And I just kind of told myself that that's the only option is to execute like that. Like you, you don't get to yip. You don't get to right. make a weak shot. You don't get to be panicky. That's the, you only get to do this. And for the most part, that's what it was. And I never really had like a bad day at practice. I had like a lower days of scoring, but I executed great shots. I don't think I've made in practice outside of this before this, I don't think I made like a really bad shot. I don't think I executed a shot poorly. I'm just trying my hardest to make sure that in practice it's 99 or a hundred percent good well-executed shots um when so i was really confident rolling into the classic i had no idea how i would score in under this type of pressure and with all these people here the lights the show whatever so i was like if i shoot a 540 if i go middle of the pack whatever that's that's fine yeah that's a good place to be and I really had no expectations of myself other than to just shoot good shots. On the practice range before, I was shooting with with you and Joel, and it was everywhere. My that was the worst I had shot in weeks. Yeah. And I was like, I I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. How do I even shoot this thing? Um, I took a couple breaks to go walk around just to try to take my mind off it and maybe reset. Um, when Maddie came by, I went and shot over by him. Maddie's like a brother to me, one of my best friends. So, and he was talking me through, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And he talked me down off the ledge and it was getting better towards the end, but I still wasn't executing the way I wanted and not with nearly enough confidence to go out there and do well. When I was shooting with you and Joel, I was questioning whether or not I'd make the cut. It was like a yeah, you could shot. tell you could tell you were uneasy. Yeah, you were uneasy. You were trying to make the arrow go in the middle instead of just shooting it in the middle, mm-hmm. and you could you could tell. And I remember you walking away, and then I think we, I think uh, Joel and I were BSing and and standing around, and you came back in, and I remember you seen you. I think Maddie was shooting way back behind us or whatever, and yeah, and Maddie has that. Maddie Aka has that like calming like demeanor when you talk to him. So there's some. It's actually because he's so old. It's more like old big brother, but we're not gonna you know, or big poppy, big pop, big poppy Yaka. Um, yes. Well, so so in short order. For the most part, you got it figured out. Yeah. No, uh, two rounds before I walked out there and I knew like I'm running out of time before they start scoring. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like I just had a calmness go over me and that arrow just mm-hmm. 
parked right where it was supposed to and shots were going exactly how exactly how they needed to my last six arrows i shot i don't know how many 11s but i shot five tens and a nine i was like that's as good as we're gonna get so we're gonna roll out there and the whole mindset for that tournament i i could care less where the arrow landed yeah it's good i just wanted to execute if i executed 60 good shots that's all i care about i could have shot a 450 if i executed good shots that's that was it for me. I had no expectations. I had no care in the world. I was just executing good shots. Now, obviously, <clears throat> I was still analytical with where the arrows were going. Sure. Right. Because I had in my first round it was a 277. I had three sevens that went low right because my grip was slipping because it was I was sweaty. And I was like, okay we got to fix that right now. Cause I I'm, I'm shoot it. If it does what it's supposed to, it goes in the middle. Right. And How, always, how'd you fix it? How'd you fix it? Uh, I made sure I wiped my hand on my pants really, really well. <laughs> That's one way. I dug, I dug my hand into my grip. It worked better when I was more cocked into it. Yeah. Kind of like what Demmer does. Gotcha. Or you could always have a, a like a, a, resin bag or whatever timmy i definitely borrowed somebody's resin i don't remember who i definitely borrowed brian's on elimination day brian ways i definitely borrowed somebody else's in qualification i don't remember whose it was got ya. Uh -oh. hey i know that person hi kaylin how are you <laughs> You're you're in the middle of a live podcast right now. <laughs> What's up, everyone? <laughs> um, so, anyways, okay. I I just got my grip into where it needed to be, and a couple of them still didn't go the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. But overall, like I executed sixty perfect shots, and towards the end, I was super nervous because I'm like, oh, I'm shooting good, like that thought popped in your head you're like i'm almost done with this and this is the best i've ever shot in a tournament it's like you just need to not screw this up not think about how good you're shooting <laughs> yeah well i mean it's it's hard to not yeah right? oh yeah, yeah like oh how many ends do we have left we have three ends left you're like oh i haven't missed the gold like or i've missed the gold very very few times and if i do yeah i hit an 11 to go with it so it kind of x's out in a way yeah <clears throat> and you know i told maddie i was like do not read the score out loud maddie and i were on the same target this also helped oh okay a lot because sure. we talked about he's he's stoic he he's calming and we were encouraging each other the whole time you know good on top of being like best friends we were teammates at the world championships yeah we got together a ton so i mean i i can't think of a better person to be standing on the line or just shooting on a bail with them than maddie in this situation so and i think he'll say the same thing right like it totally maybe way way more at ease it's way more at ease when you're shooting with the best friend it felt like practice i didn't feel like a tournament i'm yeah. just up there and just shooting yeah. and Maddie would say, just make it look good, make a good shot. 
And then when he was up there shooting, I'd encourage him every time he made a good shot or if he made a bad shot, I'd be like, all right, shake it off. You got this. It's yeah. for sure. I, I can see that. I can see that being a, a benefit for sure. Did you guys, you guys didn't shoot like face to face as well, did you? Stand no, we shot opposite lines. You shot off his lungs. Gotcha. Um, oh, that's that's good stuff. I like it. I think it. I think it's an eye opener for a lot of people that are trying to. It it kind of paints a picture or your journey, for a lot of people who are trying to get to where where you've gotten to, and you know only a couple of years, you know. So and and you've shot all the games and you've done well at all the games, you know. What do you think, John? That was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> he just I I do know hanging out with Robbie, he likes to talk and I don't know. I like to listen. He's he's usually pretty uh articulate on a lot of things. Um he's not afraid to uh wear his heart on his sleeve and, and tell you all like the dirty little secrets of him and his struggles. Yeah. Well, he's honest with himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, about like I, I, I think he is hard on him too hard on himself at times, like going into a, a tournament. We shouldn't like, like going back to Maddie, you shouldn't enter a tournament with the notion of I've got to win this thing, especially I got to win this thing to be a success. Um, I think uh, Robbie last year um, going in, into the, the classic, he shot pretty decent qualifications. And then that, the final match with Dwayne um, was a learning uh, moment and taking that from the tournament was, was a win. If he didn't learn anything from it, then it would have been a loss of a tournament, but you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Agreed. Very, very good information, Robbie. You, you interview so well. Thank you. You're welcome. It's it's uh, it's been fun watching you sort of develop into, you know, the shooter that you have and everything. It's and especially with Maddie on your side, you know, he's a good dude. But we have we have comments. Sweet. And, so, oh, go ahead, John. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say like Matt Maddie's. Uh, you know, if we're gonna talk about him for a second, he's a he's a heck of a guy, and he's mm-hmm. basically on everybody's side. If uh, if you ever want to, you know, somebody to hug, Maddie's always open for <laughs> oh, it. Oh, he's a hugger. <laughs> oh, he's a hugger. He's a wrestler, I, too. <laughs> he is that. He can, he, uh, we witnessed that firsthand. Um, one other thing before we get started. Yeah, go ahead. That, what we talked about with me being so honest with myself, I feel like that is such a, a huge part to why I was able to grow so quickly in this. Yeah, I am hard on myself, very hard on myself, and I got to work on that portion. But the honesty part is what helped me grow. Because if I just, if I had that target panic, like I had when I first started, and I was like, you know what, it's fine, it's not that big of a deal. I, I can just learn to shoot better with it. Yeah, I would never have gotten here. You know, if I'm honest with myself and say, listen, you're not going to win anything if you don't fix this problem. You will, you will plateau at middle of the pack and you won't do anything other than that if you don't fix your stuff and you're just i'm brutally honest with what i need to do to get to where i want to be and that's with everything that's not just shooting do you 
feel like that honesty, even yeah. if it brutal honesty is what really helps somebody grow. You don't grow by being comfortable. You grow when you can really look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, this, this needs to change for the better. And it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a fun practice session when you go there and you just aim at the middle for an hour or 45 minutes and you never shoot an arrow. You've done that. It's what you need to do. Yeah. You've you've done that. I know you've done that. That's right. That's just funny, man. It's, it's, it's a good, it's good to hear you say these things. Cause like, like the, the maturity of the shooter that we're looking at doesn't match the age. A lot of people, and John has talked about this numerous times. So have I, like a lot of people are very, they are, they find it difficult to be honest with themselves. Like, they they want to they want to play around with tune they want to play and blame it on those things or you know buy a new rise or buy new limbs or you know oh uh, you know my tiller was one eighth off like that's not that that didn't create this that's not the problem you know like like you said like you are it's not just brutally honest with with how you are as a shooter physically and mentally but it's like are you really shooting all of those arrows? Are you really scoring, you know, what you're scoring? Are you just trying to present a thing online? You know, like there's a lot that goes into that idea of being honest. Did you really shoot four days a week in preparation or did you casually shoot 30 arrows twice a week? Cause there's a difference between four, you know, four or five days a week on uh, 60 to hundred arrows a day versus two days a week at 30 arrows. You know what I mean? Like it has a significant impact. So like, do you really want it? And you're shooting that much or not? Cause if you're not, you have to be okay with you are where you're at. So I feel it's like, good, man. I feel, like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people blame tune and tune is important to an extent. Trying to get a straight flying arrow is important, but <clears throat> I don't think I've ever had a tune that I can outshoot. Right. Once I get it where I want it to be, I don't think I've ever been able to outshoot a tune. Now I can tell if I'm shooting and the arrows wiggling, like, okay, that needs fixed. But if I get it roughly close, I'm I'm not able to outshoot it. So people that really ask questions like, oh, I should, I should really trim a half an inch off of this, or I should go 20 grains heavier, I should play with the brace height, like Sure, you can get that done in practice, but don't blame your score on that. I don't know, John. Do you think that he's always been that way about tune? I remember messages <laughs> worrying way too much <laughs> about tune. How about that long ago? Absolutely. You used to you used to really get analytical about tune bad. But um, I, I did I knew that my shooting and my ability was not because of the tune. Ah, uh, gotcha. I like to get stuff perfect. Got it. Okay. But I know that even if I get a tune where I want, I won't outshoot it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, I'll tell you that most of the comments we have are sort of funny stuff. Nothing like real crazy or question like. Although uh, Alex's question is pretty serious, though. Alex Melnick. He said, uh, tell them about Matt Yaka's nurpled, when he nurpled you. But if it's not anything over, let anything more than like TVMA, don't. <laughs> how, come, how come we didn't see this at the house? 
You Why did. didn't we hear about it at the that house? Came up behind me and grabbed me. We wrestled on the ground for like five minutes. Yeah, but it's it's well, not a purple if it doesn't turn purple. That's right. So I went. <laughs> it was in qualification. I don't remember at what point in qualification, but I went back to talk to Alex because I was trying to, you know, leave the range over there and try to just not think about what I was doing. Yeah. And I'm up there talking to Alex and he tries to nurple me. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, do you know what you should do? You should go with Yaka, a double nurple. And I'm like, how do you think I'm going to achieve that? He's like, just go in for a great big hug like this. And at the last second, boom. <laughs> and then he came and sat in the, Melnick came and sat in the front and got his phone out and recorded it. He recorded my attempt, but I'll tell you what, for Maddie being as old as he is, he's quick. He's very quick. He blocked it. So maybe Melnick can send send the video to Ooh, I, Can I put it in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Melnick, put send it to me. <laughs> Too funny. Oh man. Well, hey buddy. Uh, I'm proud of you. It's been nice to watch you mature look forward to see what you do in the future especially as we go in so what's your what's your what's your indoor season look like what's the rest of your year look like currently um currently i have indoor usa indoor nationals that's in two weeks three weeks something like that the 18th so three weeks um hopefully i make the finals for that i just have to shoot i just have to do what i've been doing um then shoot the finals in march the end of march down in louisville i'll shoot indoor nationals down there if i make it because i'm not going to make that trip for one sure one um i might try to do a couple asas i'll do local stuff around here for sure um i might go try to shoot attack not with my bare bow sure yeah but go try to get ready for hunting season and then outdoor target nationals. So even so not, though, not a ton, just even though it's in September when I could be chasing elk. I know this is USA um, archery. It's, it's not a lot, but I also spent a lot of money in the last six months last year to make team usa and go compete for team usa sure a lot of money so it's kind of recouping from that otherwise i'd probably go to vegas in a couple days too sure i had the funds for it well i mean you can advertise your only fans if you want to okay it's feet finders oh feet finder i'm sorry feet, feet finders, finders. <laughs> um <laughs> in my feet let me know we can uh, uh no thanks i'm good they only cost a plane ticket to vegas limited time only you're running out of time already good luck getting that flight <laughs> that'd be super expensive and john you're not going to vegas right no you did register mm -hmm. but you're not going mm -mm. even though you were the first place loser at Lancaster probably have a good chance of 
coming over. Yeah, bl- blame that one on Mike. That's the reason why I'm not going out. <laughs> on who? Mike. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. Hmm. Well, that stinks. But hey, we're going to shoot indoor nationals here in a couple of weeks too. I'm kidding. I wasn't gonna go anyway, but yeah, yeah, we got a we got indoor nationals in, in a couple of weeks down in Harrisonburg. Yeah. Um I don't uh and we're doing where a seminar. Are you, where are you shooting yours at, Robbie? Minnesota. That's our closest one. It's like four hours. So be you'll be shooting maybe with Tom Johnson. He might be shooting that too. Yeah. They're what uh bearboat shooters this way. We're pretty thin. Then, hmm. as in, like only a handful at every tournament, like like so less than state, five or what? For state, um, in the state of Iowa, I think I'm the only adult male barebow shooter. I think the other barebow shooters are like senior or master senior. Okay. Um, so I'm the only one in my age division. I'm pretty sure, and then. When I go to, I think when I went to like indoor sectionals in Yankton last year, two years ago, it would have been last year. I, uh, I think there was like four of us. Don't quote me on here, but like very few, obviously nothing like 250, like there's the classic, you know, or however many we get at outdoor target mm-hmm. or what our limited numbers are for indoor nationals but um so it's pretty it's a pretty thin herd but i try to when i go to those things and there's not a lot of people i try to just hang with hang with like a bow hunter score or an olympic score um what uh asa wise what what's close or relatively close to you Um, metropolis is close metropolis and london are the two closest ones okay so, so you'll definitely be headed there if anybody yeah, wants to shoot hey, shoot against robbie and and right. and try to build some of those bare bow numbers for asa josh grind's trying to do big things for asa and we want to support josh he's a good dude um you know and and get awesome. build that 3d body back up it's only going to help the world 3d team get some new people in there and you got guys like matt hudson who shot amazing shout out to him yes he will be on the podcast in the near future i got a i got a slow motion video of matt's shooting for him coming here in the next probably 24 hours so you guys will get to examine that like you're doing with the one with mike fisher that's on youtube right now um but yeah so and one of robbie coming too in the near future so you guys can get a good up close look of basically how he shoots from his hook to his finish. Huh? Um, but what's that? It's subpar. You can put your yeah, I'll put your I'll put the link for your fundraiser in the in the comments. Okay. <laughs> um Joe, right, asked man. That- Joe asked a question to our chat. He said, What's the final participant number at Lancaster? I don't know for the women. But I know for the men, I think we had 250 on the nose. Shoot. We had yeah, more. You know. two, 250 at turn cards in and like one or 263 or something that didn't ask for the money back. 
women, I think it was like 188 or 189 and that turned in cards and like 93 that didn't ask for the money back. Awesome. Impressive numbers indeed. It was a huge, huge turnout. Um, Buck, Buck, I can't re- even read that. Buck Terry, I think, says, heck yeah, come to Foley. He wants you to come Foley. Foley's a long ways away for me. Foley is a long ways away for me, too. It's uh, 16 hours, I think. ASAs are relatively cheap. You know, it's 40 bucks to register, and there's a payout, which is right. awesome. But, I mean, even if you win a stacked class, right, you have 20 to 25 people in it, you won't make – the money back right but we never, we never do it for money anyway right it's just what's that I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading the comment he's, so he's reading the comment well i was gonna i was gonna say that you um what is the payout roughly for asas it's it's contingent on how many people show up okay so um i'm sure there's other people that could give better numbers but if you get 20 25 people i think first place would be close to 200 bucks Okay. And then whatever contingencies you have, right? Like if Hoyt will give a, I think a hundred dollar contingency for ASAs, Victory will give contingencies for ASAs, Easton will give contingencies for ASAs. Um, I don't think CD does. I'm not a hundred percent positive. If they if they do, it's to a, a top place finisher, but or like shooter of the year. I think they're more focused in IBO. No, they give they give contingencies. Do they? Mm-hmm. I guess I never won with a CD. I've got tagged in every one of their posts. I know they they, they do contingencies. Okay, cool. Well, um, go shoot other days. So before we kind of end this um, these shenanigans here, how about tell everybody what what equipment are you shooting? Go across the board. Give give people shout outs. So I'm shooting a, at the moment, I'm shooting a 27 inch Hoyt Exceed Velo Slims. I'm shooting AAE uh, Rest and Plunger. Shooting a Yoast Tab that still has my field crawls on it from the World Championships. Never took those off. Um, on no the fixed Hoyt, crawl. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got the Hoyt Pro Weight on the front, the great big hammer. I have that custom. I have the hammer, two aluminum side plates, and then I took out the bottom piece that goes into the riser because I'm a little girl and I can't handle the weight. <laughs> but you're working on that right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on that. I don't really feel like I need a super heavy bow to shoot well. You know, I feel like weight is a Band-Aid to form. If you have good form and you do what you're supposed to, the bow will sit still for the most part. Um, yeah, yes and no. I don't you know. Can argue it, but there's people with a lot heavier bows than me. That sure, shot no, yeah, I agree. Spanky can handle a 10-pound bow. Come on yeah, now. Spanky can't, but Spanky is a man that none of us will ever achieve that level. That is true. Spanky is a beast in a league all of his own. I told I told Spanky I was super nervous shooting against him. I've never shot uh, against the legend of Spanky Brooks. You never shot head to heads against him? No. Nope. He came that was to first Iowa. Time. That was the first time. We shot a lot of matches. We shot a lot of matches together when he came and hung out, and he was shooting well. One twelves, one thirteens. That's was, tough to beat. He was cooking. 
he was cooking. He is impressive. He is impressive to to watch shoot. He is like Mr. Consistency at all games. So him and Paul Donahue. Yeah, him never know what you're gonna get. Love that guy. Love that guy. Um, and no, that the answer is no, uh, Joe. We are not going to have any action with people flipping <laughs> bales over. <laughs> oh, gosh. John, did you see that? Did you see that happen? No, but I would absolutely love to see someone I, get so mad they flipped the bail. <laughs> I witnessed it. I, w- I was actually, for some reason, looking downrange, and I watched someone grab an arrow and just go to yank it out of the target. And if anybody knows, can't yank those arrows, any arrows out of that target. And the, the bail just went, boom, and the person smashed their own arrow. There was just debacle after that and i was like i can't believe i'm witnessing this at an archery tournament i thought i was it's wild it's a wild you thought thing. you were at a t-ball game and the parents were going at it little league yeah 100 that's i was just like, like somebody throwing a tantrum in the middle of a shooting i mean i don't know the details i don't know the details i don't know what happened there you know but it's definitely not in the best interest of the sport to be displaying that behavior so i don't want to speculate on what happens maybe it was warranted reason to get upset but that stuff was just like whoa can't believe i went instead at a a tournament especially the lancaster classic but um anyway what buddy finish up equipment i didn't finish that up yet oh i'm sorry about that i thought you did i guess we didn't get into arrows so victory arrows for this one, I was shooting a, a V force. So that's like a hunting shaft, standard diameter, two, four, five. Um, I went with those over the fat arrows. There's not a lot of companies that make a 23 that spines out well for us. So, um, like, I think victories is like a 480. Easton has made 500 spines, but I don't think a lot of companies will make less than a 500 spine 23, which for me, outdoor, I've got 700, 800 spine arrows. Um, these V forces were 600s. I got them to tune with 120 grain point, four inch parabolic feathers. I don't know. I don't remember if they're gateway or what, but that's what I shot. And I, I just messed with it till I got him to fly like a dart. Shout out to Mike Santiago. He's a good dude. He is a good dude. He is a good dude. Love Mikey. He can hang out with us anytime. Shooting, <laughs> shooting gas bowstrings. There you go. Eric Griggs. Yeah. So. Good, good stuff there. Nice to see. Nice to see Eric supporting, uh, supporting Verbo. He's a good, good guy. He makes good stuff. That's where I buy all my compound strings. Mm-hmm. Was from was from Eric, for sure. Anything else? Any other equipment or or supporters or something? I think. Fruit of looms or Hanes. What am I wearing right now? Kevin Klein or Calvin Klein. Kevin Klein. He got the Wish version of Calvin Klein's or the Kevin <laughs> Klein's. Right. It's either that or the American Eagles with like the super wild prints. 
So it's like the John Demmer version of underwear. <laughs> Is that what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, keep it PG. Keep it PG. Yeah, yeah I got to be good. Who does uh, your? We can wait till we're let's wait till we're not live. We can have that conversation. Joe asks, "Who does your hair?" Joe, who are you talking to? You talking to me, Demmer, or Frank? Definitely not me. So I get my hair cut at uh, Sports Clips for like twenty bucks. Well, we all know that like Minwax does uh, Frank's. So I got Nair. Nair Nair cuts my hair. Cuts your hair, baby. That's right. All right, man. I think we covered it all, but we have a conversation to have after this. So you guys aren't going nowhere. Um, everybody else that's watching, I know the the live he got up to like 30 some people, believe it or not, Robbie. Nice work, buddy. Nice work. Yeah, man. And Instagram. I'm live on Instagram right now. I gotta make sure I I log off of everything before we have our conversation. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so everybody, we're gonna we're gonna shut this one down. Thank you all for joining. Robbie, once again, nice shooting. Good job, dude. Proud of you. Um, and if this stuff will get posted everywhere, all around uh, Instagram or not Instagram, um, YouTube and all the podcast platforms. So you guys go check that out. Um, have a good night. I'm, I'm going to say peace out. Barrel Project out.